Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Hannah Lilith Asadi is the author of The Stars Are Not Yet Bells, a novel. She teaches fiction at the Columbia University School of the Arts. Her first novel, Sonora, received the Rosenthal Family Foundation Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters and was a finalist for the Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize for Debut Fiction. In 2018, she was named a National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree, which I will now never get. She lives with her family in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Stars Are Not Yet Bells. Thank you so much for having me. You are a beautiful, lyrical, like poetic writer. I, I really appreciate your writing style and and very excited to discuss your book. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Can you tell listeners what your book is about? Sure. Um, it's about a woman who has dementia and as she's succumbing to her illness, she begins to live more and more in her past and in a beside a lover who has been long dead for for many decades, right? So the memory of their relationship sort of resurfaces and reemerges. And simultaneously, 
she begins to see these sort of strange metaphysical blue lights that occupy the island where she has lived with her husband for many years. So that's, <laughs> I'm not very good at this, the elevator pitch, but that's the you general summary. You, know you did, you did wonderfully. I have a passage that I had just, even from the beginning, I just want to, you know, why don't I just read the, the first part, just the, just the first page even, which okay. I, got, I have online. But it says, it is not yet the end. Moss descends from the oaks, thick as curtains, veiling the night secrets from the living. A wild mare and her foal are out to feed before the dawn. Seagulls bark their hunger at the sky. And Lyra, Lyra, our island, remains above the sea. The ocean has not engulfed all this, even though I have woken from that dream I've had again and again over the decades. In last night's rendering, after the island has burned and sunken into the waters and all the stars had fallen into the Atlantic, I could still swim. And beneath the surface, wandering among the blue constellations like a mermaid, at last I found Gabriel. Was so good, <laughs> beautiful. I just Thanks. love I your writing. On <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Okay, take me back and tell me about how you became a writer. Why you? Why, how do you? How, your style, your training, this way of telling this particular story, all of that. Sure. So I think I was always writing just sort of little fictions ever since I was a child. Primarily when I would get into trouble or something, I would write a little story. <laughs> I think my my father used to tell me I did this. But anyways, I wasn't seriously inspired until high school. An English teacher assigned sort of a creative writing response assignment to The Sound and the Fury, where we had to write a chapter from Caddy Thompson's perspective. And that was kind of the first time that I ever wrote fiction. I'm sure it was awful, but <laughs> that was my first piece of fiction. And then, you know, I wrote, but more I would say like journal wrote, right? Until I was in college and I studied creative writing as an undergrad in addition to Middle Eastern literature. And when I graduated, I was writing stories and I knew that I knew I wanted to be a writer and I still didn't really know how to formalize that desire yet. And I did my MFA and that, you know, both. <laughs> Sometimes it definitely helped me. I think there were some hindrances to it only because of its cost, but it certainly did help kind of formalize my education and also just, you know, push me toward the right people to help me actually become a professional. And yeah, so that was, that was kind of the, the progression there. And after my MFA, I published my first book, Sonora. And once that was out, I had been working on a, a few different projects and none of them I have this tendency to kind of like start something and it'll get to a certain point And then I realize it's just not moving anymore. And that was happening with a lot of things kind of while I was waiting for my first book to come out. So in the month afterward, my mom and I had gone to visit my great aunt who has since passed. And I had recently seen this picture of my grandmother with this man whom none of us knew who he was, although my great aunt, I think, did know who he was. So it was sort of this interesting mystery mm. that I wanted to write about, about like the person that you may, who got away, as it were. And also just, I've always been interested in memory and in time and certainly in mortality. I think most writers are interested in the latter. And so I thought Alzheimer's was just, would be such an interesting condition to try to inhabit so yeah, that was sort of the genesis of this particular book. And then it evolved, you know, in strange ways from there and took on a life of its own. Obviously, my parents were not in the dual 
industry and didn't live on a strange island off the coast of Georgia. So that was all its own, you know, how a book takes on its own life. And have you always had, you know, you said most authors are focused on mortality, which I share with you. <laughs> Mortal- I feel like the movie with Julianne Moore, did you ask Alice, is that what it's called? Or ask Still Alice? Alice. Yeah. Still no, Alice. I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, you have <laughs> to watch a, it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I should probably watch it. You know, I avoided things that like felt like they were in similar territory because I was afraid that I would try to emulate too much. But tell me, what were you going to say? Well, no, just, you know, it's also sort of an ode to language, right? It's in the power yeah. of our command over language, which is one of the things that Alzheimer's affects, right? It's your ability to even communicate in the same way. I don't know. I am haunted by that movie. I think about it more than any other movie, particularly when I... I'm tired and I can't even find the right words, right? And I wonder, and then like novels like yours, like where you where you really go into that and you like memory and language and all of our mental facilities are just, I mean, they're just beyond our grasp. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so easy for it to all just go I away. I know. Yeah, I mean, obviously this book, you have to sort of suspend disbelief a little bit because her language stays pretty, she has command of, language well, well, narrator yeah, till, yeah. To, until the end. But one of the things I always found really upsetting, like reading my grandmother's letters to my grandfather, is that she was very articulate and a very elegant and sophisticated writer, although not formally trained, obviously. But toward the end, it's the, she had Alzheimer's as well. And she just started repeating herself all the time and misspelling words and forgetting how to spell and just literally losing language. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, it's just, you can witness it on the page in a way that, you know, I wasn't there to witness her, but it is so sad that that it's so easily lost. (laughs) My grandmother's both at the very end, you would sit with them and they would like say, it's like a, like a record or something on replay. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're younger than me. Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you know, like where it just like keeps replaying like all this, you know, like the track just loops and you're like, wait, you just said that. Wait, you just said that. What, what's going on? And you're like, am I losing my mind or? Yeah. And it's so interesting what they repeat too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. And, you know, why? <laughs> but yeah, we don't know enough, certainly. And um, maybe one day we will know more <laughs> about yeah. the brain, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating and sad at the same time. So did you, anyway. uh, did you do a lot of on the research side? You know, I think I did more research than I give myself credit for, but it's been so long. You may know from talking to as many authors as you do and being an author yourself, how long the publishing industry can take. So sometimes I, it feels faint to me, but I did do some research. I wouldn't say it's heavy. it was heavy, right? Because I really wanted this to be her own story and it's lyrically driven, as you said. But I did do research into sort of, you know, how the condition manifests itself just to hopefully get some of the moments right. So like there are moments when it's sunset, sort of those liminal hours where she is worse. And I think that is manifest in the book, which I think is called sunsetting, right? Mm -hmm. So I did do yeah, I did do some research and I did a lot of research into the treatment of mental illness in the 50s and 60s since mm-hmm. she is undergoes electric shock, electric shock treatment and also sort of the advent of pharmaceutical drugs to treat depression. And so I there was research just like <laughs> I don't think I read too many books on the matter as a lot of I I would never hate to admit this but a lot of googling and um 
but I did read about Cumberland Island and the Carnegies there as well, since that's sort of um, inspired the setting of the book. So you should read this new book by Lee Kravitz called The Confessions of Sylvia P. I think it's, that's Wisconsin about Sylvia Plath, and it has a whole section of her electric shock electric shock treatments. Oh yeah, I would love to. I would love to. I'll pick it up. Thank yeah, you. That was really good. So you said it took a long time. When did you start writing this? And when, like, what's the, what was the whole trajectory? And did you, did you use the same publisher as your previous book or what? Did you go at it with it all over again? Or tell me about that. Yeah, no, it was a different publisher. Um, my first book was published by an independent house and this one was published by Riverhead and they did a beautiful job, obviously, <laughs> but there were, you know, I think a lot of people were delayed. I sold it in the fall of 2018. So when it came out in January, <laughs> so you can do the math there as <laughs> few years, but I think just so much was delayed. I think first there was the elections and, you know, before COVID hit, and I think a lot of publishers didn't want to come out in that season because they knew it would be dense with books that were more like politically relevant, which, you know, makes sense. And then COVID delayed so much. And then, you know, it just once seasons got backed up more and more. So it feels like I've lived with this. Yeah. For, for a long time, even though the writing of it has been done also for a while, but there is a way in which it's not, you don't fully release it or relinquish it or something until it's out in the world. Like, I think that's just, yeah, (laughs) it's just the nature of the beast. So it's been an interesting few months to finally, you know, begin the process really of letting it go just like, okay, now it has a life of its own. There's nothing I can do about it. So yeah. it's like kids going off to college or something. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, 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 I only have a toddler, so I'm not, <laughs> not there yet, but I'm sure that I, yeah, hopefully I'll be somewhat prepared, but probably not. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
What are you, are you working, what are you working on? I was going to say, what are you working on now? But then with the toddler, you never know. So are you yeah, working yeah, on sure. anything now? No, no, I am. I am. It was, it's funny. It's interesting. I was working on something for quite a while while I was waiting for this to be published. And similar to my last experience, I put it aside for the time being. Yeah. I'm not sure if I need some space from it to see if it will begin moving in a way, like there's something very, I don't know, mystical about the experience to me. And I, feel like if it's not taking on a life of its own, maybe it doesn't want a life kind of thing. So I started something new that's actually just really material that maybe I haven't been wanting to deal with or ready to deal with for a really long time. And now I feel maybe sort of ready. It's intimately connected with my life here in New York, and which I feel like I always feel like is maybe ending, but I'm not sure. So <laughs> So I'm working on that. So that's, that's anyway, I, I can't talk about it more than that, but it's, it's new for now. And it'd be a third novel. And I'm also doing some research into maybe trying to write a uh, screenplay and doing research on a historical figure that um, I'm interested, very interested in. So that's something new creatively that I'm, I'm always, maybe you can tell I'm a pretty visual writer. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I've never really apply that to anything else but prose so it might be interesting to try but I don't know yet we'll see so it's all very I'm in a very I'm in the cauldron still and um, I have a toddler running around screaming all the time. so I, I guess you know times four right well I don't have toddlers anymore um, yeah but you have four four children I have four children but they're yeah old okay I mean not so old seven eight and four yeah children. but the toddler days the little I mean I don't know it's funny because now I talk to people like you and I'm like, oh, well, how could she possibly get anything done? But at the time I was like, I still wanted to get everything done and I still was getting stuff done, but it was just harder. I think it's not until they get a little older that you're like, wow, that was almost impossible. Like, why did I try so Why did I try so hard? Like the time was going to pass. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't know. I yeah. have to say I have so much respect for people working with small children at home, especially now and especially in a creative thing where you, you, you have to like access this part of your brain to, you know, get into a certain space to write and produce and all of that. And then there's constant distraction. So I don't know. Yeah. And trying to cherish it while at the same time getting things done. I think that's the real psychological yeah. or existential part. Like I know this won't last forever and it's right. adorable. And also like, yeah, who am I? Mean, I? <laughs> honestly, modern day life is just not particularly well set up for parenthood. I mean, at all, really. Like you have to stop everything and you have to be patient and you have to allow for tantrums and you can't be in control of your time. And, you know, and yet everything else is so, you know, iCal blocked off everything. I I don't know. It's like, it's like a joke. Kids just make a joke of all the scheduling and, you know, all the other stuff you might be trying to do. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And we could joke of it. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how you put that you're in the cauldron. It's a pretty dark place, but maybe you're making something <laughs> really delicious in the cauldron, like some yeah, great tomato soup or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, sadly, I think it has to be a little bit dark for me to even do it. So we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll be able to talk about that one. Well, you know, it's, yeah, I'm just... Take along being a little more forgiving of myself, as you said, right? Because these are, yeah, these are the toddler years. And 
Yeah. Hopefully I'll have more time one day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a writing partner? Like, do you ever show your work to anybody or read it out loud or? Yeah. You know, at a certain point I show it usually to my mom mm. and I have a few trusted friends, a few readers, like a few readers who always, or at least in the past two books, I've read early drafts of my book, but pretty, pretty soon thereafter, if I feel like I've been with it long enough and revised it, I send it to my agent. But there are a few people who are both writers also that I kind of trust with early work, but I don't have a writing group, which may be a good idea to hold me a little more accountable, but I just don't see how I can be accountable to anybody else right now. So, yeah. You have a a boss baby at work, so. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Hmm. I think the real only thing that I can say, I mean, there's so many paths to publishing and it really looks different for everybody. I think just like you can't give up, you know, if this is what you want to do, there's, it's, it's not an easy life (laughs) and there's so much rejection and so much struggle. And I think that's the only rule is that you just don't give up on yourself and on your work and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The rest of it, you'll figure out. Love if you it. want to. Amazing. So. Well, thank you for this beautiful book and the conversation and allowing me the opportunity to feel grateful for the memory I still have uh, while I still have it. <laughs> good, and, good. Uh, you know, holding on to that, trying to shove it in there so it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, evaporates. And, you know, we're also lucky for the time we have when we're able to be at our most productive before other forces are at work. So it's a good reminder. And of course, you thank you, power of love. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's always that. Thank you so much for having me and hope to meet you one day in person. You too. Where are you, by the way? Where are you based? I'm I'm in Brooklyn, but okay, you know, that's always that's it seems to be um, a debatable. (laughs) We're we're not quite sure what's next, but yeah, we're in Brooklyn at the moment. Are you in the city? Like, she's either in. In New York or like Santa Fe, because you have like the archways and. Oh yeah, I know. The, 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 yeah, I know. This is it's funny because I am from Arizona, and this oh, okay. apartment that we're actually t- subletting. We we lived here for many years and went to Arizona and came back and we sublet this for the semester because I'm teaching in Columbia. It does have a very southwestern feel, and it's totally random, but it is it is sort of an interesting reminder <laughs> of where I come from. So yeah, for where sure. Did you, yeah. Where, in, where in Arizona did you grow up? I'm in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We may, you know, I, 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 I have, it's, I'm, it's a very complicated relationship I have because when I'm out West, I miss it, the city. And when I'm here, I miss it up there. So maybe <laughs> one day I'll figure out how to have both. But at the moment, certainly this past winter has made me miss Arizona for sure. My, my mom and so. stepdad basically retired out there. And so oh. they're outside Scottsdale. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They come here for the summers basically. So yeah. Yeah. That's that's the ideal life. So I, yeah, I grew up in Scottsdale. And oh, okay. uh, so I know where are they? It, it's they are in here. a tiny town called Carefree. Oh yeah, I love Carefree. <laughs> I love it. I love. I mean, Cave Creek and Carefree are just because they retain that sort of old west feel, but they still have sort of the nice <laughs> parts of Scottsdale. You know? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe out there or here. I'll see you one day. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 
Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 